0: This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to Habat Abbas. She's a journalist, filmmaker and NGO worker from and based in Syria in the northeast. She's going to be speaking about the conditions inside Al-Hul camp, which is where the so-called ISIS brides are being held by the SDF in Syria, having been picked up in the last stronghold in Baguz. I went around al Hol with Habat. Uh, she's done a lot of work there. And on the Patreon, we will actually have a bonus next week with a long, long interview with two of these ISIS brides. These two that we spoke to were from the Caribbean, believe it or not. If you want to hear that, be sure to go to the Patreon and support patreon.com slash popular front. Apologies for the audio. We recorded this in Syria whilst driving, so it is what it is. So we just got out of al Hol camp, maybe you can explain firstly, what is Hol? the history behind it, why is it there, who's there, you know? Uh,
1: al Hol camp, I mean, I think the history of establishing this camp, it was since 90s. Uh, the first uh, refugees have been in this camp, I think it was uh, either the Palestinians, uh, they came from Iraq and the Jordan, I don't know they have been uh, established for them, or for the uh, Yazidi during the massacre during Saddam Hussein time in Iraq. So they have been there. During the Syrian crisis, it started with the uh, Mosul operation. When it started, the Iraqi refugees came out here. And also during the different operations in uh, different parts, regions here around for the Syrian Syrian IDPs also, they have been located here. And since uh, the Baghdad ISIS families, uh, I think around 63,000 of ISIS wives and children uh, have been located in this camp right now.
0: Okay, and what what about your work? Can you talk about your work? Because you've worked in here a lot, right?
1: Yeah, somehow because I'm working with the UNHCR, so we are coming regularly and we, yeah, you know, to to responding to different services that we are uh, providing to the population
0: here. Maybe you can explain a little bit about the security there, because we've just been round, you know, we know like what, three assayees have been stabbed they're talking don't go in the car because you know stones will get thrown at you you know what, what are they facing there
1: yeah actually the security problems it's uh, emerged after the uh around like january 2019 when the isis family started to be evacuated to this uh, camp so after they have been located there the the security incidents started to be uh, appear time to time, almost weekly. It's an ISIS wife with the very radical Islamist uh, ideology, so they are not accepting anyone who are not, like, copying them, the way of address, the way of talking, the way of their beliefs. So, for example, they are attacking all the uh, people who have been already here, the Syrian IDPs, the, uh, the Iraqi refugees, and they are always, even last time I met an uh, Iraqi man, he was saying I was smoking in the market, and one of them, she approached me and she said, you have to stop this because it's a haram and also another Iraqi wife she was telling me like I was next to my husband without she already they have this uh, black abaya but uh, the Isis wives, they are asking them in order to uh, wear the foolish sharia like them and cover their face totally also another incident happened I remember the school or uh, been established by UNICEF and the uh, Isis wives they burn it just because the wife of the guard she is not covering her face and also, they're attacking all the NGO. For example, for me, I'm now, there you see, like I wear hijab, because otherwise, they will gonna attack me. Uh, and I'm avoiding to go to the foreigner section or to the Syrian Aleppo section because they are most dangerous people or, or radical. Uh, even if we are walking between the Iraqis uh, section or Syrian IDPs, we are wearing the al-Hijab or whatever. We, we try to show our respect to them or to protect ourselves to not attack us. Uh, they also attacked not just the Asaish or armed people, they are attacking all the NGOs. Any person who is implementing there, it doesn't matter which kind of service they are providing to them, they will going to attack, they will going to stab you. And the incidents of uh, uh, burning the, uh, the, the tents, stoning, and uh, stoning the cars always, and using the children in order to attack, because I know that the safe administration, they are not... Uh, you know, they were not going to put the children in a prison or not, not going to punish them. So they are using their children in order to attack the other persons. And recently they started also this uh, like uh, individual wars attack, which is like uh, they have the knives. They are using the normal knives of the kitchen and they are attacking some of the more knives. They are attacking and they stopped three, two men last time. And also, last time I have been there, they attacked the, the Asaish guy and also they stopped him and he's still in the hospital. So, yeah, this is the security there
0: it's a mess like why do you think that the Aleppo and the foreign women are so extreme because it's those people that are carrying out these attacks mostly from what I understand uh,
1: because somehow the, the Aleppo I, ha, I study in Aleppo so I know this background in, about them they are Arab Sunni already they are conservative they have this uh, Islam Brotherhood history in Aleppo so it's a, not a new thing you know they have a very long background of this radicalism. So there is a there is a ground for them. When they joined ISIS, they became more violent. During the regime, uh, the time they couldn't, after the Hamas, uh, after 80s, they weren't able to spread this radicalism anymore in Syria. But after they have been joined, uh, and they are the, the biggest number from Syrian, it's like a Besides the Zor and Raqqa, because they or geographically they have been used their territory for ISIS, it's Aleppo who came from Alab and joined them, or Idlib, or Hama. So Aleppo already, they have a background of Islam, radical Islam. And foreigners already, they passed all this way, not just because to make a tour, it's like, you know, tourism around. They are here because of ideology. They converted from different things. They came to here because they do believe in Aqidah, as they said. So there is a belief there.
0: And we spoke to two girls from Canada. Caribbean, who were you know, ISIS brides as they call them? What did you think about them?
1: Um, I don't know which perspective, I mean, because they are completely for me all our discussion with them, they were still not regret, they are so believed that they, they think that they do the right thing. Even when the, I asking her, like, you are forcing the others to uh, copy, English. she was like, No, I if I will catch you, we're gonna try to convince you by Islam. I said, I'm already Muslim, and she was like yeah but she was look like not convincing because I'm just not wearing the same clothes or the same attitude of hair so I don't think there is a hope of, it looks like really they are their way of looking to us, uh, their way of discussing about Doula the, like, they're denying all the crimes that the ISIS have been implemented and just justifying that by it's uh, personal stories, it's a personal act by some males in the ISIS time and that they didn't witness it, any of that horrible, you know, behaving and things, even when I asked it about the Yazidis, she was like saying like, yeah she was in love with the, her uh, uh, guy who sellers so she try to to always justifying you know justifying everything that's happened and they are so still in this belief you can see it
0: yeah that's what shocked me it was like they definitely weren't repentant you know <laughs> like oh. acting like oh it's just a few bad eggs you know no,
1: no, no, they were completely like even when you know this all after all this brutality some of them i met some of them that they said like in after we came to here we, we regret a little bit after we saw the horror, but we couldn't escape those women no they stay until the end until baghuz and like they are still complaining about, like, a, yeah, everyone targeted us just because we wanted to have a be in a safe haven in the, this ground, and we didn't hurt anyone, we didn't do anyone just because you are a Muslim, everyone attack us. No, it's not true. It's completely not true. You can, you know... It, do your names in your country and in a different places around world, as a Muslim and no one will go. and it's not a reason people attack you because of you are a Muslim it's because of the terrorist thing and the, the ISIS stand to the whole humanity and to the people who are living in this region.
0: You know, you've been around to a few of the tents you said you've been in them you see how they're living Like, we couldn't really do that. How are they living? You know, what's life like for them in uh, Al-Haul?
1: Yeah, in the beginning, when we received... uh, With the Syrian and Iraqi IDPs, I have been usually with them. We make time to time register them, discussing with them. They are normal. Even inside the tents, they they are like... Way of dressing, way of speaking, they are normal nice people you know you can chat with them you can have a tea with them but with the ISIS section uh, wives especially the foreigner uh, ISIS wives I have been in a different occasion there now I'm afraid but before I dare to go there At uh, the beginning when they came from Bagus so in a different occasion I was walking around and uh, because I'm a female I was like just we, we, we say salam alaykum and we opened the door of the tent so I was just looking there and I was surprised how the way of dressing inside the tent itself, you know, they are completely, fully makeup, but and they just came from a war, you know, place supposed to be, and the way they were dressing almost naked, and they are so care about, like, a, I don't know, it's, it's it shocked me, you know, even we are in this region, we are in a home also, but it's no need to, to dress like that. Was weird, so it's clear that they use it to do that during the ISIS time, and they still. And it's so so obvious for me they are how much they have a money. They are, rich. you know, comparing to the Syrian IDPs and Iraqis refugees, I can't see how much the way of the even the food they invited for a food. So they were like in the first days they came out from Bagus, they were like making this very nice food dishes with the, all the ingredients so you could see like uh, they have ability to, to buy the good things. Even I once have a chat with the owner of the shop and he was I was like, I'm surprised. I can't see the goods which is available here. I cannot see it in Qamshli. And he was like, yeah, because those foreigners especially, they have specific brands. They don't eat anything. Oh. They have a special brand. They are asking it doesn't matter how expensive it will be. So we're asking the, 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 the trader in order to bring it from places in order to because this is what i asked
0: typical westerners are Exactly. and no not just this
1: they told me like they came they look they read all the ingredients things you know they, they're a specific kind of brand they don't want to eat they don't want to use it
0: um can you talk a little bit about like the internal so, so there's almost like the female police of the isis like the hizbar are actually operating inside the camp like you know, the Asa'ish lady showed us a picture of a woman who'd been punched in the face for not wearing her veil, like, can you talk about that? What's going on? So
1: what happened, like, uh, those women, what uh, already there is a document proving like, what happened, the men, uh, the main commander of the ISIS, they already give this uh, jihad. Uh, on behalf of them to the women and children and they told them before they back, they, they get out of the uh, uh, Baghuz there is a specific instruction they informed all of them they have to follow until now they are following which is one of them like they are raising their children in a, in a belief of Islam and Khilafah and return back and take revenge from their fathers. Second, uh, for the wives in order to uh, implement all the systems as they were same uh, system of the chisba and the other t- 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 like women. when
0: they had it the,
1: exactly, the same, they have to continue and they have to implement it to other population in the camp as well so what we are seeing it's a chisba which is a group of women already have been trained doing this job it's like a police, they are following every woman, single woman if any one of them, they broke the rules if any one of them, they dare to, to uncover her first, for example or to say anything, or collaborate in a way with the with the safe administration, or, or with the assad security forces implemented in the al they were gonna directly either killing, or threatening, or stunning different ways, or beating, as we say, or burning the tent. This burning the, the tents incident it wasn't happened before the Bagus people came to it.
0: So they're exactly. like the most hardcore.
1: Exactly. So they don't allow anyone, even like you saw the female, that uh, the, the ISIS wife that we interviewed them, they said after we came, came back, they were going to investigate with us. Who are they? What do we say? So even the, the, the uh, intelligence woman, she's saying like uh, none of them we can get any information. They don't They don't dare, even if there are some of them who wanted to collaborate, provide some information, but they don't dare at all. So it's so... Difficult because this festival they are really strong and they are really able to implement things. They are really trained, they are a violent woman, they can kill, they can't do anything. Even there was an incident of a Kazakhstani grandma. She killed her nephew just because she didn't wear niqab. 14 years old child.
0: A niece, she,
1: niece yeah. She killed her. She killed her, she slaughtered her just because she refused to wear niqab. So aside whenever they are seen time to time killing it's happened that just because they are super strict they wanted to show everyone like you have to follow the instruction otherwise you're gonna be killed Mm.
0: i don't think people realize how serious it is in the camp you know like maybe maybe you can talk about that because the the Asayish lady she was saying like we're having problems with the ngos you know maybe maybe you can talk about that because we don't hear about that so the problem is like uh, the ngos
1: They are coming, they are coming for a few hours like a UN or I C R C or whatever. They came, they are functioning there for a few hours and they leave. Plus the ISIS they are clever. They are already like a foreigner ISIS between them, so they know that how much it's important to not attack the, either the, the NGOs or UN stuff. So what they do, they pretend in front of them like they are uh, just a woman, children around, poor they, they, they are not violent, they are not doing anything. And also these people, the NGO people, they are always talking about humanitarian principles, which is already too much functioning in this camp, uh, comparing to all the acts of these uh, women and children there. Uh, so they are always asking the, the, the Assayish and even the, the intelligence uh, women who are working there like you have to be unarmed and walk between them. So the Assayish women said, like, I can't. They were going to kill me. They were going to literally tried. kill me. So, so they were like, oh, no, based on the humanitarian thing, you have to be... And they put both of them in the same side. And the proof of this, how the situation is serious there about security is that the, they are attacking armed people. Not just civilian or threatening civilian or themselves mm. each, between each other. They are attacking via knife, armed with a clash person. They are attacking and staffing And we have a minimum four to five incidents here until now.
0: Right, like the, the YPG guy we walked around with. He had the clash in the cough, whatever, that would have been exactly the same setup as the guy that got stabbed yeah, in the back, right?
1: Even his comrades, he was like "Say so his colleague he was telling, be careful, if you have a clash, it doesn't matter you are secure. Because for me, when we were walking, there was a, like a woman full of black clothes, so you don't know what's behind this. You don't know if she has a knife, she is hiding and she will gonna suddenly stab you and will gonna run. And if she runs, never you can find her. This is the main problem there. And also they for sure refuse to uncover them Because this is the only weapon they are using Against the security people Who are trying to control the security there Under the Islam name
0: Why? Like, I get it Like, you have to respect religion But these people have been murdering, slaughtering people Why are they respecting it to that degree? That it's actually a damage to themselves Because they don't even take pictures of them without the veil How are they meant to know what's going on?
1: Because, I mean, first there is these NGOs Who are just pretending I don't know, they are just talking on behalf of humanitarian things without taking in consideration the context and the background of those people. They are not normal people who are functioning or, or practicing their norms. It's not about religious here. It's about security. And those people are have been in under ISIS, this terrorist group, and they lived with them. They believe in that. They have been trained. They are violent. That child we met, for sure he was with a spell khilafa. He was like the way of looking, the way of acting. The guy that had a yeah. bullet wound in And his he army. also have a bullet in his army. Why he has a bullet? If it's air strike, I can't understand it's air strike. But bullet, it's mean that you are in the front line. So you think they put he him in the fighting. front line? Yeah. No, he was a fighting. He's a well. Yeah, it? it's a fighter. So I mean the, the NGOs they are not taking this all this information uh, and they want to, to, to have the same approach as a civilian camp as all around the world, which is completely not here. Second, it's like uh, the Assayish or the Self-Administration, if they implement it by force to, uh, to, to push them to uncover their face, it will be uprising. They will gonna destroy everything, they said already, they threatened. She was saying like we have a rumors, we heard the rumors, they were gonna you know they said we're gonna burn all the camp. And it's two, it's one light. You have a one lighter, huh? you will gonna just get the fire and it's all gonna transfer to so Easy for them. To be... do. yeah, it doesn't matter for them if how many people will be die or killed or innocent will be there, they don't care. So you cannot just, you know, take a decision and implement it.
0: What can be done do you think? Because like, a lot of people in the West, especially in my country, in Britain, there's, you know, Shamima, Shamima, you know, everybody knows Shamima Begum, and everyone saying, no, don't bring her back, don't let her have citizenship, I said, well, no, you have to, because these people can't deal with it, you know, like, what do you think needs to be done?
1: Uh, I think first each country has to take their responsibility, they have to uh, take their international responsibility to support people first here who are just stuck with those people by themselves do you know how much it's cost them to feed and take care of those people and there is many injuries there is a there is a, i don't know i mean, we even a saw today
0: expensive. the little boy like smashed his head open. exactly
1: yeah. who's gonna take care of that one it's all self-administration why because the ngos what they done they said we will not gonna provide uh, funding or assistance to the terrorist group UN, the other NGOs. So they said, we don't mention ISIS to us. We will not going to serve them. So what happened, the, the assistant that they are helping uh, the IDPs and the uh, refugees, Iraqi refugees, self-administration distributing to the ISIS family as well. Based on humanitarian approach, you know? So you saw like the intelligence woman, she said like there is a need for 3,000 tent right now for our families, and the UN refused to give it. So what you can do? I mean, it's like so it's a not solution, this is what I want to say, it's not solution to keep them here because they became more violent, they are became more radical because there is a need, when there is a need for human beings and you cannot cover it, this makes them more violent and out of control. So I think it's, uh, if each country takes their responsibility, it will be few persons, you know, hundreds in each country or less. Instead of putting them thousands here, it's became, they, they are, take their power by their unity, you know? If they, they have been distributed, and I think deradicalization uh, programs have to be implemented in their country. Uh, children, especially, because they they teach each other. You you could see how they are making, creating the weapon, how they are attacking, acting as a uh, behaving persons. It's too risky. So if the woman will gonna still believe in their ideology, it doesn't matter. And I don't uh, to keep monitoring her. I am sure. And there there is a way to, to, to keep under control. You know. I'm sure they will gonna be in a better way. But for the children to send them to the education, good education, in order to reduce the effect of the mother on them, you know? To, because right now, the, the jihad, is here. In their perspective, they are completing the jihad, that they, they couldn't uh, continue it in, the, in Islamic State. So if we were gonna, if all the states, were are gonna just say, keep them there, you will be horrible and it doesn't matter if they are here that means solve the problem have been solved. There is a thousand in their country right now. And they are so angry because they are treating them in this way. So they will gonna take revenge for those people in their country. Yeah. They make explosions because they are sending the calls on the internet brother saved your sister in hole, helped us, blah blah blah. So yeah,
0: it's all coming. this will come, it's, it's coming. coming. Yeah.
1: Even I don't think the most dangerous people are those the most dangerous people are who are in their country yet uncovered. those covered uncovered but the other one is still undercover so no I think they have to take their responsibilities and find the solutions
0: um, you've worked with a lot of the kids uh, in the camps and we just saw like you know a kid in a wheelchair who had his legs blown off in bagoos I don't know maybe you, maybe you can explain some of the problems the kids are having there
1: first uh, the radicalism the children are not acting as like the children they are super violent even when we passed there was a minor one around five years old he was looking to my eyes like you know literally i was gonna kill you fuming. yeah yeah you can like uh, you know i can't see you it's so this education problem i mean it's supposed to be psychological first psychological support those children are need because they witnessed things that's really they need a special expertise in order to deal with them uh, under the airstrike, the war, and what they saw under the ISIS time. And that woman, she were mentioned, like, yeah, my child, when he was turned back from the school, he saw the beheaded, uh, you know, beheaded person have been slaughtered by ISIS during that time. So, all these children, they witnessed it, they saw it, so it's a possible. And some of them even killed. So, it's not, yeah, this we level. saw it on
0: the videos, right? ISIS even filmed it. Yeah.
1: There is a, though, some of those kids who already killed, they are trained. We cannot recognize them, but they are trained. So we cannot just have this approach. They are children. It's more complicated. First, they have to deal case by case. They have to identify the needs of each case by itself. Psychological support, education, um, trying to you know, I don't know, cover their needs, different needs as a children, in order to help them to. Establish atmosphere which return them back to their humanity again, you know, and reducing the effect of the mothers and ISIS wives around around on them. Mm. Um, For example, if they can take them to a next by a school in a colored place, in a good way, to make the sport, music, things like that, make them children for a long time during the day, even when they return back to the camp during the night or whatever, it will be less. And this education, for sure, they will gonna change them. And so, so. Plus, there is many children has a malnutrition. There is a children who die because of the medical services really need more help, and the international community have to really cover these needs. NGOs have to to, to increase their response to the, the camp because children are the are the victims of this, and they are one who has until now died. Like yesterday, there was a new birth baby have been died. Another children next couple weeks I also. They just because of malnutrition and the sun and different, you know, atmosphere, conditionally. Plus, there is many, many children handicaps and injured, and uh, those children need uh, help. Otherwise, they will gonna, you know, have this hate and, and anger. It's gonna make the extremism worse, and Yeah, revenge in future. It's coming. So, I think we have to take all this in consideration.
0: But the West needs to do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've just been there, and it's like, how is this is going to explode? It's ready to go, you know. Um, and some people say, especially back home, why don't the YPD just kill them all? You know, why don't they just kill the wives? You know, maybe you can explain why they're not doing that.
1: Because first, killing is not a solution. If it's a killing, a solution, never. War, it bring more blood, it's bring more. Plus, it's not a problem if we kill a child here. If they kill a child here there will be Islam around all the world. They will gonna move and they will gonna stand up to take revenge. And they will gonna make explosion, destroy all the world for them. So no, it's not a solution. De-radicalizing them, have a humanitarian approach with them, show them like they are free in order to uh, practice their norms as a Muslims. But at the same time, they have to respect the others. So killing for sure, it's not. And here in our region, we have this culture of forgiveness and good attitude with them, it's really give a good change, you know? So this is, uh, for us, we do believe in that, and it's not costing a lot to be a human being with them, to show them that's how human beings are supposed to function. Even they killed a lot of people, you know, 11,000 of shahids from this region. Even that, you can see all the Asayish and everyone who are working right now, they lose their relatives, their families. Even that, they said, like, uh, we are here not for revenge. We are here in order to... Help those people to return back to be a normal people, to de-radicalizing them. Even it's so painful for us, but we have to do it. It's our humanitarian duties.
0: Mm. Do you really think the women can be de-radicalized, though? There they seem so hope. extreme.
1: Uh, I think yes, by guess, again, some of them there is a hope. And the way of approaching them, the way of dealing with them, uh, there is a hope. Because many of them, they really want to. Right now, they can't. I, I witnessed that in Roche camp, by a time by good approach with them, by uh, the YPG who are around the Asaish and the other people who are functioning there, they really changed. I could see there even they, some of them remove the hijab, some of them like uh, un- completely uncover, voluntarily, you know, by themselves they do that. Now they can't even many many of them now. Right now they want that, but as you see that Russian woman because just she uncover her face, they beat her during the night the husband. So, it's too risky for any one of them now to show uh, their will that they wanted to be de radicalized again. But if they control it, I'm sure. They're human beings, come on. I mean, for sure, when you are treating them in a good way, they're going to be changed, I'm sure.
0: Okay, I've got one last question. Um, what would you say to the people in the West? We know who they are. Like, you know, you get these DC analysts and all this saying, like, oh, YPGM is treating them. I've been there, we've just seen it, it looks like chaos, but, you know, they're doing what they can. What, what would your message be to those people?
1: Uh, I don't think either they haven't been on the ground to judge, first. Second, if any of these uh, acts, it's real and they mistreat them, be sure they are super clever, those women, huh? they will gonna document it, they will gonna speak out, they will gonna, they will gonna, I don't know, they will gonna make a sound. So. Plus, the philosophy of this region and the people who are functioning here, it's a completely humanitarian principle, you know? Never they were going to... I witnessed it. I have been in the front lines. I have been in the camps. Never. I saw how the asai rescuing the children. I saw how they sacrificed their life. Do you know there was two IPJ when those women get out of the bagus, They were evacuating them. They were helping them with their luggage, with their children. And the woman exploded himself. She has a child with her. Two IPJ full Shahid, because of her... Why they wanted to just carry the child? She killed himself, the children, her children, and the two IPJs. Jesus Christ. So, which kind of humanitarian more they wanna? They are just sitting there. They, they cannot judge how far they are. They cannot judge. They have to come, and it's open. The door is open to anyone, and plus, if there is mistreatment for them, do you know how many NGOs it's here? Here, minimum 20, minimum 20, UN, all these agencies, and ICRC, everyone is around, and it's under, you can't see it, everyone have a smartphone that they can document it, so for sure it's not true, for sure it's not, not because of them, because the philosophy of this region is not that. Okay, thank you, wow.
0: That was Habat Abbas talking about the situation in Al-Hul camp, which is the refugee place where the so-called ISIS brides are being held in Syria. To follow Habat, she's on Twitter at Habat underscore Abbas. Now that is spelt K-H-A-B-A-T underscore A-B-A-S. Habat, one of the best people I've ever worked with. Definitely follow her. And like I said in the intro, soon we will have a long episode where I interviewed two ISIS brides, so-called ISIS brides. So two female members of ISIS in Al-Hul camp. They're from the Caribbean. And at one point, they even admitted like, yeah, we'd get you killed if we weren't in here. It's a fascinating interview, I think. That will be on the Patreon, patreon.com slash popularfront. It's a bonus episode. It won't be anywhere else. So if you want it, $5 a month. It's really not a lot. Thank you very much to those still supporting us. Patreon.com slash Front. This episode was sponsored by the defensepost.com, Defence with an S. Check them out for articles related to the world in conflict. To keep up to date with Popular Front, follow me on Twitter. That's at Jake underscore Hanrahan. Or follow the Popular Front Twitter, which is at Popular Front CO like the website www.popularfront.co that's where all the articles are all the updates basically if you want to show someone popular front just show them the website everything will be there popular also we're on instagram instagram.com slash popular dot front there's lots of images there especially from the recent trip to syria so do be sure to follow us there also we are on youtube that's where the new docs will be coming by September there will be three new documentaries up on the Popular Front YouTube so be sure to subscribe and hit the bell youtube.com slash Popular Front. Thank you very much to the following Patreons, without you none of this will be possible. These people are Adam Berg-Snyder, Axel Iverson, Brian McLaughlin, Chad Walker, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer. Diana Gorvenek, Emiliano, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Jack Mayhoff, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Josh, K. Hardy Roberts, Kyle N. Payne, Lawrence Abrahams, LH, Margaret Bowling, Moody Al-Rashid, Noah, uh, Ari from the Discord, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack from What Bitcoin Did. QBall Russia Al-Akidi Royal Payne Diaz Ryan Sandercock Scartoon Music Scott Jonesy Sebastian Sarusha Hawazi Stephen Davila Teddy Tom Lockrin, Tony Bin Vida Provost and Zachary Hinch and also just want to say a big thank you to Robert Evans, who, you know, helped me go out there to uh, Syria to do all this work. You know, he paid for the trip. I went out there to help him and managed to do Popular Front stuff on the side, which was a great look for us. Also, thank you very much to Anthony Kabarak. He helped us raise funds for necessary equipment to use whilst in Syria. So thank you very much. Please do consider uh, supporting us, patreon.com slash popularfront. It's all growing rapidly right now, and I'm struggling to juggle it all myself. So the bigger we grow, the better it gets. I can pay people to do bits here and there, and we can go and do a lot more stuff and focus on the content. Music in this episode, the intro was by Home, and the outro was by Son of Old. Go to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old.